Well, now we're going to turn to this morning's scripture reading. Today we're beginning a new sermon series for the season of Lent. We're calling this series The Paths of Righteousness. In the pages of scripture, we read about a God who guides us, who calls us, and walks beside us. And for the next few weeks, we're going to try something a little bit different in worship. All through the season of Lent, we have invited different United Methodist pastors from all around the Flint area, from Flint and Flint Township and Flushing, to share with us their stories, to tell us about their journey, to tell us about a moment when God called them, when God guided them, and to teach us about how God calls all of us and speaks to us and comforts and encourages and guides us today. I'm going to get things started this week and then next week we're going to hear from a, a different pastor and we're going to hear from a different pastor the week after that and the week after that. But before we do any of these things, I invite you to listen for God's voice as Alan Weimer shares with us this morning's scripture reading, a reading from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans. Today's scripture is from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 12 to 17. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God and of children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this week I've been thinking about a time almost 20 years ago when I was stressed out and I was trying to make a really big decision. I was just beginning my second year of seminary and I was trying to figure out whether or not God was calling me to become a pastor. It might seem strange that somebody would go to seminary not knowing whether or not they were called to be a pastor, but that's exactly what I did. I knew that God had called me to go to seminary. I knew that God had called me to study scripture and to study God's ways and the history and traditions of the church. I knew that, that learning about these things made me feel alive and engaged and invigorated. I knew that was where God wanted me to be, but I didn't, I didn't know why. And honestly, at that point in my, my seminary journey, I was leaning towards not becoming a pastor. I was enjoying reading books and having theological conversations so much that I thought maybe I would just keep on studying. Maybe I would just keep on going until I ended up as a theology professor at a school somewhere. Now, there was another reason that I was leaning away from pastoral ministry and towards work in academia. The, the other reason I was leaning away from pastoral ministry was that at that point I'd had a little bit of a taste of pastoral ministry. Uh, in, in order to pay the bills, I had been working in a church. I'd been serving a little country church 
a brick church with a white steeple located in between two tobacco fields in North Carolina. And in the time that I've been serving that church, what I had discovered, what I learned is that pastoral ministry is hard and pastoral ministry can be really messy. I can remember back in those days, I had trouble getting people in that little country church to take me seriously. I was young. I was only a student. I hadn't even graduated from seminary. At that point in my life, I didn't even have a beard. And so sometimes it seemed like people just ignored what I had to say. I can remember one night we were having a church council meeting. And the church council was trying to make some big important decision. And I can remember there came a moment when I started to share my opinion. And suddenly the church treasurer cut me off. And the church treasurer leaned across the table and said, Listen, Pastor. You take care of prayer and preaching and all of that God stuff. And you let us handle the money in the building and all the things in the real world. Sometimes it even felt like people in that little country church were out to get me. I can remember that I had a conversation with the choir director one day and I happened to mention that I didn't like a particular hymn very much. And suddenly the choir director got sniffy and offended. And she said, well, that just happens to be my favorite hymn. And then the choir proceeded to sing that hymn as their choral anthem the following four Sundays in a row in worship and once a month after that. Sometimes it seemed like it wasn't just me the people in that little church didn't like. Sometimes it seemed like they didn't even like Jesus all that much. I remember one Sunday I was leading a Bible study on the Sermon on the Mount. And at one point in the study, suddenly the president of the United Methodist Women looked at me and she said, listen, pastor. She said, I love Jesus as much as anybody else does, but I decided a long time ago that I'm just not going to turn the other cheek. I had never considered that there might be people in the church who were even trying to follow Jesus. I had never considered that there might be people in the church, leaders in the church, who said, I know what Jesus wants me to do, but I have decided that I'm not going to do it. It didn't take me very long to discover that pastoral ministry can be hard and pastoral ministry can be messy. And so at that point in my seminary journey, I was leaning away from pastoral ministry. I was leaning towards a career in academia. Until one morning, It was a Tuesday morning in September at the beginning of my second year in seminary. I can remember that morning I was in a church history class and the professor was just wrapping up his lecture when there was a knock at the door. A student came in and whispered something in the professor's ear and then the student turned to the class and made an announcement. He said, a plane has just flown into the World Trade Center. Something is happening, he said. The professor let us all go, and I went off in search of a television somewhere where I could find out what was going on. I finally located a TV in a sort of a TV lounge in the student union. I took my place among all of the students who were there watching these events unfold on TV, and and there in that TV lounge, surrounded by all of those college students and graduate students, I watched as one tower fell, and then another tower fell, It's hard to describe the pain and the trauma that was happening in that room at that moment. And Duke University, where I went to seminary, is located in Durham, North Carolina. 
but so many of the students at Duke University come from New York and New Jersey that sometimes I heard people joking they ought to rename the school. They ought to call it the University of New Jersey Durham campus. And many of the students who were there in that lounge watching the events unfold on TV with me were, were watching these things happen in a place that they considered to be their home. There in that room, I was surrounded by this swirling mass of chaos and confusion and pain. The same chaos and confusion and pain that people were experiencing all across America and even around the world that day. And I can remember as I was there in that TV lounge, surrounded by all of that chaos and pain, I can remember that suddenly I had a moment of clarity. Suddenly I realized that there was nothing else in the world I wanted to do so much as to go to that little country church. I wanted to be in that brick building with the white steeple. I wanted to be with God's people. That day I wanted to wrap my arms around the church treasurer. I wanted to weep with the choir director. I wanted to pray with the president of the United Methodist Women. I wanted to help people hear God's voice and feel God's presence and find God's peace and seek God's way in that moment of confusion and pain. It was in that moment that I suddenly realized that I was never going to be happy with a career in academia. I was never going to be happy spending time talking about God off in an ivory tower somewhere. That was the moment when I suddenly realized that God was calling me to be in the places where, where this is hard and life is messy and people are trying to find the gospel and follow Jesus in a way that makes sense in a world that is filled with chaos and confusion and pain. That was the moment when I suddenly understood that God was calling me to be a pastor. And in that moment, as I suddenly heard God's call, as I finally answered God's call, I can remember that suddenly I was filled with a deep and powerful sense of peace and assurance. All around me, there was chaos and confusion and pain, but within me, in that moment, there was nothing but peace and assurance and calm. A kind of peace that was so deep that it could only have been a gift from God. Have you ever experienced a peace so deep it could only have been a, a gift from God? Have you ever experienced a, a sense of assurance so powerful that nothing in this world could shake it? Maybe you have. Maybe some of you who are, are worshiping with us this morning know exactly the peace and assurance that I'm talking about. Then again, maybe you haven't. In my years serving as a pastor, in my years of sharing the gospel in all of those messy places where God has sent me, I've met so many people, so many followers of Jesus who still are looking for, still are longing and searching for that peace and assurance. I can remember a moment a few years ago when I was in a hospital room. And there in the bed in the hospital room was a woman who I considered to be a saint. And this woman had been a lifelong follower of Jesus. She was the, the kind of believer who never missed a Sunday of worship, who rolled up her sleeves and got involved in every good work the church could think of. And as I sat there in the hospital room beside this woman's bed, a doctor came in and shared with her a terminal diagnosis. The doctor, as calmly and as compassionately as he could, told her that she had probably about six weeks to live. 
And as long as the doctor was in the room, this woman, this saint of the church, put on a brave face. But then as soon as the doctor left the room, this woman turned to me and she just fell apart. And as she sobbed there in her hospital bed, she said, Pastor, I need you to help me. I need you to tell me, how can I know? How can I know that I've done enough? How can I know that Jesus will welcome me? How can I know that there is a place for me in the house of the Lord? And this woman had been a follower of Jesus all of her life, but still, even in the very last days of her life, she was searching. She was seeking for that sense of peace and assurance and calm. Now, maybe you've been in that place. Maybe you've looked for that peace too. Maybe you're still waiting to find that sense of assurance, an assurance so deep that nothing in this world can shake it. If you identify with that woman's anxiety, with her fear and doubt, then I've got some good news for you this morning. The good news I want to share with you this morning is that the peace and assurance you have been looking for are closer than you ever could have imagined. In this morning's scripture reading, in today's passage from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Church of the Romans, the Apostle Paul tells us that the seed of that peace has already been planted within us. It's like this, the Apostle Paul says. Think about what happens when you're driving down the road and suddenly your tires begin to slip. What do you do in that moment? Think about what happens when you're in that hospital room and a doctor walks in with a handful of peepers and can't quite look you in the eye. What do you do in that moment? Think about what happens in those moments when we suddenly feel the world beginning to slide and it feels like all of our lives are suddenly filled with chaos and confusion and fear. What do we do in those moments? We reach out to God. We call out to God. We call, Father, help me. Mother, save me. We reach out to God the way a child reaches out to a parent. Why do we do that? The Apostle Paul says. We do that. Because somewhere deep inside of us, there is a piece of us. There is something that believes that God is real. There is something deep within us that believes that we are God's children. And the fact that that something has survived, in spite of everything that we have seen in this world, in spite of all of the trauma and pain we have experienced, in spite of all of the people who have tried to shake our faith, the fact that that something remains and lives within us can only be a miracle of God, can only be a gift from God. That thing, the Apostle Paul says, that voice that lives within us, that reaches out to God in moments of fear and confusion and pain, the Apostle Paul calls that thing, that voice, a spirit of adoption. And if we can only learn to listen to that spirit of adoption that God has planted within us, Paul says, if we can only believe what that spirit of adoption is telling us, that God is real, that we are God's children, that Christ is our brother, and so if we die as Christ died, we will rise as Christ rose. If we can only learn to listen to that spirit of adoption, that voice that is already within us, then we will experience peace. Peace beyond anything this world can give. Peace beyond anything this world could ever shake. Would you pray with me? God, we pray 
We pray that you would give us ears to hear the voice that already lives within us. God, we pray that you would speak to us over and over again through that spirit of adoption. Tell us that you are real. Tell us that you are walking beside us. Remember, remember to remind us that we are your children. God, we pray that when all the world seems to be a swirling mass of chaos and confusion and pain, God, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit, that you would speak into our hearts, that we would experience peace and assurance, even when there is no peace around us. All these things we pray in Jesus. Amen.